Humility says that I recognize that this is not my show, that this this is God, like he is at the helm here. And we got an invite to be a part of this. And so when we are humble in recognizing that this is not mine, I am not the creator, I've been invited into this, then it says, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? As opposed to saying, well, I'm just gonna do this my way. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore, and usually I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Missy Branch, but for this season of the podcast, I'm going solo. For the next several weeks, you'll hear from the contributing authors of our forthcoming book with B&H Publishing entitled Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. Our team prays these conversations are not only encouraging and inspiring, but will also give you a good preview of the book itself as we chat about each chapter throughout the season. You'll also love getting to know our amazing contributing authors whose chapters I had the privilege of editing. Pre-order your copy of Women in Work at the link in the show notes, and thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, welcome back to the show today. I am so excited to have another contributing author to the Women in Work book. Today we have with us Portia Collins. Let me tell you a little bit about Portia. Portia is a Christian Bible teacher, a writer, a podcaster who has a passion for sharing God's word. Portia is also the founder of She Shall Be Called, a nonprofit women's ministry focused on Bible literacy. You can also catch her hosting two weekly podcasts. The first one is called Grounded. It's a podcast slash video cast from the ministry Revive Our Hearts. And she also has a second podcast called Sweet Tea with Jasmine and Portia. And you host that with Jasmine Holmes, correct? Yes, correct. All right. <laughs> Portia and her husband, Mikhail, have a daughter and currently make their home in the Mississippi Delta. Portia, I am so happy you are here. Um, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. <laughs> I was trying to think back, Portia, on how we connected. I know mm-hmm. I lived in Mississippi when we connected. Someone, I want to catch your memory. Like, what do you remember? Because someone, I can't remember who it was, connected us via Instagram or something yeah. online and said, you guys should know each other. I, I can't remember the details. So I'm thinking that it was, was it, or do you do Twitter? I'm on Twitter, but I'm more like, I love the gram. Twitter, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of yeah. on there. Maybe it was, but I feel like it was like seminary, something oh. relative to Southeastern and maybe Mississippi. And I, I, I have no clue, but I, I know it was social media. I have met so many people through social media that it is, in fact, me and Jasmine, that is how we became friends. It's like you turn around and you see somebody and you see their bio and they're like, oh, yeah, makes makes my home in Jackson. Or, and I'm like, 
<laughs> inboxing them saying, hey, I'm in Mississippi too. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think whoever it was that connected us, it was the Mississippi mm-hmm. connection because okay. we lived we lived down around yes. Jackson. Yes. We were up in the Delta. And so uh-huh. even though we were in the same state, I mean, that's still several, what, a couple of hours? Yeah. Yeah. Probably about two hours, I yeah. think, we were so, from each other. I don't think we ever yeah. actually saw each other face to face. Um, not, not in Mississippi. We've seen no. each other at conferences, <laughs> but not in Mississippi. Exactly. And of course, I hadn't even lived in Mississippi since 2019. So anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I knew as soon as I looked you up, I was like, I like this girl. I like Portia. I like what she's doing. I want to be her friend. <laughs> I well, love it. Super happy to connect again today and honestly, so honored and thrilled for you to be a contributor of the book. We love having your voice on there, having your perspective, and we're going to get into all that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so Portia, on the Women in Work podcast, we ask every single guest the same three questions and I'm ready to ask you. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right. This is just <laughs> fun. As a kid, Portia, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lawyer. Did you? Uh-huh. In fact, Portia means strong lawyer um wow. shakespeare one of his most popular plays uh merchant of venice the main character in that play is a woman named portia who basically impersonates like a male lawyer but she's like fierce and so yeah surprisingly wow. i wanted to be an attorney um and i stuck with that really up until my junior year of college and that's when i was like wow. I don't think this is what I want to do. <laughs> How interesting. What'd you end up majoring in? Um, I majored in, I have a, a bachelor's degree in political science. Okay. Um, and so I made the shift. Um, like I said, junior year, I didn't change my major, but I decided to pursue a master's in public administration with a concentration in nonprofit organizational management. And so that's really, truth be told, I was really just living life, flying by the seat of my pants and trying to figure out what I was good at and what I liked. And I kind of ended up, you know, falling in love with nonprofit work. And God has really just kind of brought that full circle um, with the ways that I'm able to serve now through She Shall Be Called and Revive Our Hearts. Well, that's amazing. Did you go to school in Mississippi? Where'd you go to college? I I did. I went to Valley, Mississippi Valley State University. I don't want to say go devils because, you know, we ain't. (laughs) (laughs) That's the mascot. That's hilarious. That's where I went uh, for my undergrad and then for my master's um, from Penn State, Pennsylvania State University. Oh, fabulous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, just since we're on the subject, what was your master's in? Uh, Public administration. Okay. Um, and I have a, like a concentration specifically in nonprofit organizational Okay, majors. So that's your master. I was thinking that mm-hmm. you had switched majors uh, in mm-hmm. your undergrad. Okay. Nope. I, I, I stayed undergrad. I, I was like, I'm junior year. Like I'm not right. changing because like, that was going to like put me behind. So I stuck with, For sure. you know, political science. And really how I ended up looking in the public administration is I wanted to broaden my field because I felt like Political science kind of had me stuck to either law or politics, and I didn't want to be stuck. And I was like, so what kind of degree can I overlap with this to broaden? And that's how I ended up getting my master's in public administration, because I was like, well, that that can open up government jobs. That can open up nonprofit work. That can open up a lot of things. And um, yeah, surprisingly, as I was working through my master's, that's when I really realized, okay, governmental affairs is not really my thing, but I really like nonprofit work. And so 
That's yeah. what you're, you're doing a lot of that right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> what was your first job? That could be paid job or just a little job, a little job you had. Ooh, first job was actually a summer summer work program okay. where I worked with the city water department. Okay. And so like we took the bills and we, you know, like when people were coming to pay, pay their bills, we mm-hmm. did those transactions. Um, but we also like printed the bills. We answered the phones, like all the good little office stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that was my first, first job. It was, it was during a summer um, it was a long summer, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. And I, I think it, it was the start of, uh, building a strong work ethic, there you um, go. in me. So, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So what kind of work do you want to be doing in, when you're 80 years old, the end of your life? Look, I want to be a godly old woman. Do you hear me? Like, I just, hear you. Serving the Lord, discipling, not having to be on a timetable or honestly, just, you know, sometimes I think we can get so caught up in the hustle of life because, you know, we're all we're trying to pay our bills and we're trying to, you know, do all the things. And I can't wait. I say this often, but I cannot wait to get to a season of life where my pace slows down even more. And I can just, you know, read my Bible for hours and not think about all yeah. the other responsibilities. The that deadlines I have. and the calendar. I hear right, you. Right, right. And so it's not that I just want to be sitting around not doing anything, but my heart is um the word of God. I love reading and studying the word of God. And I also love teaching the word of God. It's something that I would do if I never gained another dollar or anything. Like I could do that for the rest of my life without complaint. Complaint. Well, sure. I feel that way. We say that, but that's how I feel <laughs> I <hear you. laughs> right now. I could do that without complaint. And so, yeah, when I'm 80, it's my prayer that I can still be serving um, women, that I can still uh, honestly be serving my family um, and that I could be just bringing glory to God through my life. Amen. All right. So you grew up in the Mississippi Delta. That's where you grew up, right? Well, I grew up in Grenada, which is technically not the Delta. Grenada, Mississippi is about 30 minutes away from where I live now. And so we call it the hills um, here. (laughs) So it's not technically the Delta, but it's not very far from where, uh, where I am now. So yeah, I'm a Mississippi girl through and through, and I've been pretty familiar with these lands for majority of my life. So I, I, I think I, yeah, yeah, I think I know Mississippi like the back of my hand now. <laughs> like all parts of Mississippi. I have been all up and through here. <laughs> it's funny cuz I never made it up to the Delta when I lived there. So oh, you got to figure. Out. Look, you got to come see me, okay? I would love that. That would be such a blast, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, so did how did you come to faith? Just share a little bit of your story about coming to know Jesus. Okay, so the cliff notes, uh, by the way, if, if anybody ever wants the long version, I did a, a podcast with uh, Christian Standard Bible, maybe a, a maybe a year or two ago. It's called uh, the podcast was called That Moment When. Oh. Um, and it was several of us uh, who shared like really our coming to faith uh, stories, uh, Lecrae, Barnabas Piper, uh 
Trevor, uh, Trevin Wags. Um, and so I was really happy to do that because I feel like it was the first time in my life that I had really painted the whole picture for everybody. And so I, I grew up in, uh, a family where my mama and my grandmama, we went to church every Sunday, Wednesday night, choir practice on Tuesdays, you name it, we <laughs> we were there. And so I grew up with an understanding of who Jesus was and um, what it means to uh, believe in Christ, like John 3, 16. That is something that I feel like I, the verse that I've known all my life. But it wasn't until my young adult years, um, specifically early, early college, which, you know, kind of cringe to say that I'm adult, an adult, but I was like out the house at this sure. time. And um, the Lord really just brought me to the end of myself. I was in college and I was living footloose and fancy free. And I mean, I had good grades. And from outwardly, I projected um, a person that, you know, oh, she's, she's fine. She doesn't need anything. But inwardly, I was so far removed from God. Like, wow. and, yeah. and I didn't even know it at that time. Huh. Like I felt justified in all of the other things that I was achieving, like my grades. And I did a whole bunch of like different activities, like on the student government association and so you're you know, an achiever, basically. Yeah, definitely an achiever, but still doing my dirt. As they mm-hmm. say, that I was still sinning, living in a lot of secret sin. Um, and and God brought me to the end of myself. I mean, it it just got bad. Like it's almost. I always tell people the the worst thing that can happen to you is when God takes His hand up off mm-hmm. of you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God kind of let me just hit it for a while. And it was so hard. It brought me to a desperation for mm. him. Wow. And so um, I just ended up, I went back to what I knew, what I had been taught, read your Bible. You know, I, I didn't really, like, I was really, I feel like I was like a fish out of water trying to figure out like, what is life? And um, I would just grab my Bible. I finally got a translation that I understood. It was because I was raised on the King James version okay. and I, I ended up getting a translation, New Living Translation, which was really accessible. And I was literally gobbling, like wow. gobbling. You were hungry for, some, <laughs> yes, for the Lord. For, yes, for scripture. And it's through God's word where I truly believe like that's how I received the gospel, specifically reading through the book of Galatians. Hmm. Uh, which resonated so deeply with me because the Galatians, you know, if you know what the book is about, they were trying to supplement their faith with works. And that was me. Like I was hiding behind my achievements and hiding about behind all the things that the world approved of. And the Lord showed me like, I'm it. It's just me. Like, I'm the one who saves you and justifies you. And when you are truly in me, your life changes. You begin to bear a different kind of fruit. Mm. And so, yeah, that is, that's really how I came to faith in Jesus. Now, did you feel called to ministry? Um, was there like a specific call to ministry or was it just, just like, okay, I have a hunger for God's word. And then you discovered mm-hmm. you're actually good at teaching it or, you know, how mm-hmm. did that transition kind of happen? And my life started making sense. Okay. There was there are certain things that I've been gifted, like abilities, 
Um, I've been gifted with all my life, but I thought that it was meant for law or I thought that it was meant for me being a professor or, you know, all these different things. When God showed me, no, I gifted you this way to do this work, specifically with women and teaching them uh, the, the truth of scripture. And so as I was studying and like I said, I grew up in religious settings, but I feel like I never really learned how to truly study God's word. And so I was, I was what they call a cherry picker. Like I knew bits and pieces of scripture, but I didn't understand how the whole story fit together. I didn't understand that it was one story. Um, and so as I studied and the more that I learned and I really would take time to go back and, and, just reflect on my own experiences and what I missed um, in terms of how others probably could have been discipling me. It's like, okay, I know that there are like 10 other people in the same situation. And so I want to be that person who comes alongside other women, particularly, like I said, women of color. Uh, one of the things that I've I've noticed is me being 100%, you know, honest, Black women are some of the most evangelical. We're going to praise the Lord and wave our hands. We're going to church. We're doing all of this. But not all of us are biblically literate. And so it's like we have the zeal, but Mm -hmm. we don't have like the knowledge. knowledge, Yes, absolutely. And so my my goal has been to come alongside sisters who have been um, who've experienced some of the same things that I've experienced. They know about Jesus. They've been to church, but they have truly not learned what it means to like be washed in the word and transformed and to have their minds renewed by the truth of God's word. Well, I'm so excited for our listeners today to be introduced to you if they haven't and um, learn more about She Shall Be Called and Listen yeah. to some of your your own podcast. So yeah, well, thanks absolutely. for sharing that. Um, so as we start kind of transition to talk about the book and your chapter, mm-hmm. um, you're passionate for women knowing the word of God. Is there something mm-hmm. about the conversation regarding women and their work that um, interests you the most? Maybe it's what you wrote about, but I'm just curious um, what that would be. Yeah, I think it is what what I wrote. Okay, tell us about that. About. Can I get <laughs> so my words? You, uh, you wrote chapter six in the book. Um, here's uh-huh. just I printed out your chapter. This is formatted yeah. just like the book. I love um, it. I know it looks so beautiful. <laughs> so um, tell everybody what your chapter is, what you wrote about. Just kind of give us a little brief about your chapter. Yeah. So the actual title of my chapter is "Don't Waste Your Gifts," um, and And you can probably already hear it, but like the whole theme here is stewardship, um, biblical stewardship. And so we are just walking through what that looks like, how it looks to actually use our gifts to the glory of God and to not waste any of it. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Just gets me just hearing you say that. I'm like, yes, I'm ready to go for it. Um, Okay. So people, let's say someone's tuning in. They maybe are kind of like the people you minister to. They're not super, um, don't know their Bible that much. Maybe they've never even heard the word stewardship. I mean, I remember when I first heard that word, 
years ago, I mm-hmm. immediately thought of like a flight attendant because people used to call them <laughs> stewardesses. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. And then you learn, okay, maybe that was like part of caring for and managing. But um, tell, talk about how would you just define stewardship? What the Bible called? What, what is it? So um, first of all, you don't even have to go far. Like open up the Bible, like first two chapters, man we get it. We get what stewardship is. So really, if we zoom out, um, let's start at the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the creator of everything. We get this whole rundown of how God in six days just intricately builds everything that we know you know, that we see the trees, the animals, us. He does that. He's the creator. Um, and then the the one of the last things, you know, that he creates is man, man and woman. And he gives them the responsibility of taking care of everything that he has created. And so in essence, stewardship is really managing the things that belong to God, which is everything. We don't own nothing. None of it is ours. We are not the creators. And so, um, yeah, stewardship is, and I wouldn't even just say managing. I would say managing well. Mm, that's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because we, we, there, there are examples of bad stewardship and I don't think that God is honored. Uh, when we steward poorly, um, it's squandering. And I, I know that the Bible tells me that he's not very hap- happy when we are poor stewards. And so, yeah, stewardship, I think, is managing well everything that belongs to God, but that he has given us, um, as the Bible says, dominion over. Well, I loved when I was reading that first draft of the chapter you sent my way. Mm-hmm. And like as the editor of the book, I was so excited because I had kind of given y'all some topics about what to talk about and um, or rather to write about. And mm-hmm. so it's just I couldn't wait to say, oh, my goodness, what did she, you know, <laughs> and I love that you just start out the conversation with Genesis 1-1. You know, I did mm-hmm. not in my own mind of thinking about stewardship I was in the New Testament already. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so I really thought that was insightful that you took it all the way back Mm -hmm. to the fact that, no, it begins with God. It's all his. He owns Mm -hmm. it. He has those creator rights to it, Mm -hmm. but he, he gave, he gives it away to us. And you talk about in the, in the chapter, um, the fact that, you know, he made Adam and Eve and and all of us in his image. And um, just even Mm -hmm. in that the fact that we image who he is almost yeah. illustrates even more. You're going to be a steward. So yeah. how do you put together uh, or how would you articulate combining the idea of image bearing with stewardship? I know we got the creator and we're stewards, but we look like him through mm-hmm. stewardship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that in, first of all, God created things, everything with ex- what I would say excellency. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. He he didn't have do anything. Like he didn't have he didn't have step when he said, I'm gonna separate the lands from the seas. <laughs> and so 
I feel like in his creation, he sets the tone for how we are to steward. Yeah. Um, one of, I think, the indicators of a, a poor steward is someone who just does not aim for excellency. Yeah. Like, I think when we become okay with mediocre, you know, work or service, then something, you know, ding, 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 something is wrong because God doesn't set that, like, mm-hmm. he doesn't set that tone. He doesn't model that for us. And so I think as image bearers, um, what we live out, you know, as as, stu- as stewards is really to produce more of what God has already created. You know, like we should be building up on that. We should not be taking away from anything that he's he's done. If anything, it should be an, uh, an, an improvement. So, um, you know, if he, you know, whatever he's given us, when we offer it back, it should be like, look, Lord, I gave it my, my best. My like best. I did it. Yes. yes. And here's the thing. I'll go ahead and add this note. What the best looks like for me and for the next person may not be the same. Yeah. Um, I think about my own struggles with chronic illness and just, I'm always exhausted. I am always Are exhausted you? and I am 80% of the time in some form of pain, whether it's oh. my my joints or my back, it's very difficult. And as I get older, which I'm not even that old, but I just noticed yeah. it, with each year, it becomes increasingly like harder to do some things that I could do really quickly 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I take heart in the fact that if I can get up every day and just do my best and God knows, even if nobody else knows, God knows when we are offering to him what our best is. And when we're, we're trying to play around with him. (laughs) Okay. He knows. And so, um, that's, that's, that's what I would, I guess, uh, how I would shape this up is basically, we are to do the best we can with what God has given us, whether it is our, our money, our time, our abilities, whatever it is that God has given us, we need to try to return it back to him like better than what he gave it, <laughs> you know, better had, than what he gave to us. There were mm-hmm. so many things I was thinking as you were answering mm-hmm. that question. So I don't know if you're familiar with this woman named Dorothy Sayers, she, okay, you know, contemporary of C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote an essay. I feel like I reference this all the time. <laughs> she wrote mm-hmm. an essay called Why Work? And mm-hmm. in there, she has an example of Jesus. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, his profession, of course, he had a public ministry beginning mm-hmm. at the age of 30. But um, he had a profession. He was a carpenter. And mm-hmm. she says in this essay, um mm-hmm she was talking about the quality of his work as a carpenter. Can yes. you imagine him producing a table or a rocking chair or mm-hmm. whatever piece of furniture he's creating out of that carpentry? Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be perfection. The quality yes. of that work yes. is going to be so high. And so you would not think of the creator of the universe creating something sloppy. He, yeah, gave, it, right. he gave it his best. I was even thinking of um, the Christmas hymn, Little Drummer Boy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love that song because to me, it's like such a sweet expression of stewardship yes. that he didn't have much, but what he, he you know what he could do? He what could he play had. that yes. drum as mm-hmm. best he could. And then to have baby Jesus smile at him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I love it. And so, yeah, I agree. Don't, I, I, I'm, I'm a stickler for uh, comparison and like, like I said, what, what our best looks like is going to vary. Um, yes. I heard somebody on a podcast the other day and it kind of, <laughs> kind of bothered me a little okay. bit where they were talking about work and they were trying to make a case for work being hard or frustrated mm-hmm. as like that was the original intent. No, mm. excellency was the original intent for our work, but our work became frustrated because of sin. And so I think we need to bear that in mind as we look at yeah. how we work. Some of the things that we experience are just you know, in our work are byproducts of sin, but that doesn't take away the fact that God called us to work with excellency from the start. So I think that's two different things that that I often want to clarify for people because they want to get, you know, sometimes we can we can easily gravitate to the other end of the spectrum. And when it comes to work, oh, let's just have the stiff upper lip and her get her done. And I don't think that that's that's honoring either because you're not taking into account very real dynamics that are byproducts of sin. And so, yeah, yeah I, I may be on a tangent a little no, bit. No, I like where you're going, though. I'm yeah. hold my soapbox a little bit as it pertains to understanding the just the difference between working with excellency and working, um, I guess you could say, in light of the frustrations that we experience because of sin. Now, in um, chapter one of the book, you haven't had a chance to read it yet, but Elise Fitzpatrick wrote that chapter and she really talks about that. She kind of goes through work. We just, um, mm-hmm. her, her episodes already recorded, but she talks about how work is really, it was given before the fall. Before, yes. This was chapter one. They're given mm-hmm. the, the duty to work and then the, they don't sin until chapter three. Yes. And so all of that gets tainted. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he pronounces those curses it was on their right. work. Their labor became hard. Exactly. Tilling the ground, bearing exactly. children, all of that work became really tough. And so I think you're exactly right. That's funny. Um, I hadn't even read her chapter. See, got to be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there you go. Bringing it go. together. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so I want to read a quote um, from chapter from your chapter. I thought this was such a beautiful, and you've already kind of mentioned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you say in there, she, you said, not only is it God's expectation that we are excellent managers of everything entrusted to us, but God also expects us to do with it to do it in such a way that promotes growth. God's plan for Adam and Eve highlights a literal flourishing as they tended the garden. Their work as stewards would produce more food, more human life, more growth. This concept of flourishing as managers is found throughout the Bible. And as we move into the New Testament, we find that our role as stewards is not far removed from what is initially illustrated in Genesis. And Portia, I just think that is the most beautiful thing that gets me so excited about serving the Lord. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, immediately when I read that, I just think of God is a God of life. John, Mm -hmm. you know, 14, 6. I mean, Jesus defines himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Um, no one comes to the father, but through me. And so I think a lot of times we think we have so many thoughts about work, but even yes. for those of us who have 
um, had a more biblical view of stewardship, I don't know if even in my own mind thinking about what I do, I think, okay, I don't want to be wasteful today. I want to be useful to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I want to be productive. Um, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want my work to be Mm -hmm. sloppy. I want to do it as unto him. But I don't know if I've really intentionally gone there in my mind and said, my goodness, if this work produces life, this work is like, bringing more flourishing on the earth. And if I don't do that, there's mm-hmm. going to be less flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, let's talk about that a little bit. What are your, do you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I kind of already touched yeah, on you it. Yeah, did, you did. In the sense of, um, you know, when, when we are poor stewards, really, let, let me back up. First of all, God can do whatever he wants to do Absolutely. with or without us. That's so true. But I think that, um, in his kindness and in his like just divine purpose. I don't know why, but he chooses to invite us into his work. He doesn't have to, he didn't need us at all, but he chooses to invite us into his work. And I think that there are several benefits there. Um, a, of course, we all said we are to work to the glory of the Lord. We said, many of us, we said we've been catechized. We got it drilled into our brain. So yes, that would be the first obvious reason. But I also think that there is something very sanctifying about God bringing us into his work. So yeah. the ultimate, you know, we know that the ultimate goal here is to glorify him, but I also think that he does it for our benefit. He invites us in for our benefit so that we can be, you know, transformed so that we can be made better ultimately so that we can grow and we can flourish. So it's not just about the things and about how those things actually glorify God, but it's, it's really like a, a, I guess you would say a reciprocal, you know, thing here is that we actually get the benefit of being changed and being, um, what I would say, like, it's almost like putting that shoe polish on and shining us up. Like he's making us better, by inviting us into uh, work with him. And it's such a beautiful thing because, I mean, first of all, it's such a privilege. You know, it's such a it privilege, is. privilege that he, he would, does not need us. He doesn't he, need us. And need yet it's this invitation to join him. And then on top of it, he equips us with the power of the Holy Spirit to then mm-hmm. even accomplishment. And then we become more like yeah. him and then people are served through it. Yes. Oh, it's so yes. great. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like this beautiful puzzle that fits together and we can't see it all the time. I'm grateful for just even the elements that I feel like I do understand right. more. Um, but I think even when we when we meet in glory with the Lord, it's going to become even more clearer, like why he chose to orchestrate and carry out things in this way. I think you are right on that. <laughs> so um, talking about kind of the fruit and the flourishing, you mm-hmm. talk in your chapter a good bit about Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. And so mm-hmm. can you just briefly remind our remind our listeners what that is about? Yes, absolutely. If we had time, girl, I promise I would read it because I, <laughs> I, I love to read scripture. So if you are listening to this, I want you to pause this podcast right now and I want you to read Matthew 25 
verses 14 through 30. Go read the whole thing right now. Okay. <laughs> now, once you come back, um, I think that'll help you to, to kind of better hear and to receive what, what we're talking about here. So in this parable, you basically have these three men, all right, and each of them, uh, they've been individually entrusted with uh, possessions from their master, okay? And so as the master prepares to go away on this journey, he gives to one, one uh, servant five talents, he gives to another two talents, and then to the last servant, he gives uh, one talent. And so the master gives them this, he goes away on his journey and each of these men do something. Now, not all of them did something that was good. That's right. <laughs> so, so we'll start with the first two men. <laughs> the guy who received the five talents, he came back and he he had increased. Like he, we see this growth, this flourishing. He had doubled uh, what had been given to him. The guy who had received two talents did the same thing. But the guy who received the one talent didn't do anything. In fact, he took what had been given to him and he buried it. And when his master came back, he was like, look, let me dig it up. I'm giving to you right back what you gave to me. No, nothing. And the master wasn't pleased with this. Um, in fact, he he has some choice words for him. I wish I could find it quickly in my Bible, but he is he's not happy with what the, the last man um, has done. But he is very pleased with what the two, the, the other two men, the one with the five and the two talents. And he refers to them as, you know, good and faithful servants. Um, and so I think the cue here is. God doesn't just want the basics back. All right. right. And then we've we've kind of already talked about this too. What your best looks like may vary from person to person. You know, my best may not be the same as yours, um, Courtney. Like you may be able to do a little bit more mm -hmm. and you may have, God may have, have given you, he may have provided you with more to work with. And so, I, I think what we need to not miss here is that whatever God gives to us is our responsibility to steward it well, to use it, with whatever it is, whether it's a little or a lot. Sometimes I think we try to worm our way out of good stewardship by saying, well, I just don't, that ain't what God gave me or God didn't give me enough or God didn't give me what he gave Susie Q over there. And um, that's no excuse. You know what I'm saying? Whatever God has gifted you with, God may not have gifted you to be the best orator, but he may have gifted you to be very good at providing service or kindness. And so whatever it is that he's given you, the responsibility is to try to return it tenfold, to return it more, to use it for maximum kingdom impact. Beautiful. And I love how, you know, depending on kind of your, where you're looking, where you're setting mm -hmm. your gaze, I think a lot of women might struggle with jealousy. They might wish yeah. they had something, other talent that they see another woman has. 
But I think the beauty is stepping back and remembering the wisdom of God. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think this is a different passage, but I think about just um, 1 Corinthians when he talks about the gifts and how we're all a part of the same body, but we all have these different functions and we're all useful and all needed. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't, the eye can't say to the toe, I don't need you. You know, it's all important. It's all important work, no matter what you, no matter what he's given you. You can't just shrug that off and say, this is meaningless. This is insignificant. Right. And, and I think the thing that I always like to point out is, do like, God didn't forget about you. Like, right. or however he gifted you, it's not like he said, oops, I, I forgot. You know, <laughs> it wasn't an oops moment. You, it wasn't a, you oh, were not a second thought in right, the heart of God. Right, right. And so whatever you've been given, God knows exactly what your potential is to mm. do with it. Amen. He knows already, like you weren't an, an afterthought. And so sometimes I think that we convince ourselves because it's not what we think it should be or because we're dealing with uh, covet, coveting or jealousy or whatever, we try to convince ourselves, convince ourselves that God, well, maybe he missed it. You know, maybe he meant for me to have this this mm-hmm, gift. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not what it is. So I, I I think it's very good. It's something that I call stay in your lane. Like stay in your lane. Find and be very clear about what it is that God is calling you to and run full force in that direction. Don't look to the left or to the right or around you. Use what God has given you fully, completely and- for his glory. And it may take some trial and error, kind of like you mentioned when you were in college. It took figuring out, okay, what exactly has God given me? I'm not quite sure, but you know what? I'm going to try this. And maybe this, or, you know, I think about these, the parable. I mean, Mm -hmm. it says they doubled their return, the first two. But, you know, if if you're actually investing in things in real life, you might put your investment somewhere and that doesn't yield a great return. Well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try something else now. We have to, we have to offer ourselves willing and say, I'm going to give it a shot. And Lord, if this is of you, help me to have the wisdom and discernment to to see that. We have to take take a risk. And this is what we see with the first two gentlemen, the first two servants is that they took a risk. And, and the one who did not take a risk, which sometimes we convince ourselves that that that's the right thing to do is like, that's the safe thing to do. He's the one that gets chastised is because he's not willing to take a risk for his master. Fear. What does that say? Yes. What does what does that say? Are we willing to risk hmm. for Jesus? Like, am am I really willing to risk my reputation in the sense of how people may perceive me or all these? Like, are we willing to do that for God's glory to return? back to him more than what he he gave to us. Right. And so yeah, I think that yeah, that speaks to me like deeply because I if I'm honest, sometimes I'm the safe person. I'm I'm the guy who buried the talent. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sometimes scared. sometimes it feels really <laughs> legitimate too. I mean, yeah. you've got a daughter, you've got all these other responsibilities and you think, yeah. oh my gosh, I cannot add another thing to my plate, but you Maybe the Holy Spirit's yes. really nagging on you and it will not drop. And it's like, maybe I just yes. need to surrender this and it doesn't look like I have time for this. But if Absolutely. the Lord's calling me to it, then he will, that capacity mm-hmm. is going to come from somewhere. Even it's right. 
probably supernaturally, right? Yes. Super, a lot of times it's supernatural. <laughs> Hopefully it always is, right? Through the fire of the yeah. spirit. <laughs> well, is there a time, um, how did you stay encouraged um, to keep this mindset, Portia? Like, let's say that um, maybe there's a project that is assigned to you. And you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not really super excited about this topic, but, you know, I've got to be faithful to do it anyway. It could be even work in the home, um, something that you just feel like I've got to do this, um, but I'm not pumped about it. Is there like, what do you tell yourself in those moments? I'm, I'm a lady who has to counsel her heart with scripture every day. Whether it's a little bite-sized nugget or whether I'm gobbling up pastors, I need to counsel my heart with scripture uh, because this is where I am reminded of the purpose in my work, all elements, all aspects of my work. When When I am not like actually just sitting like before the face of God in his word, my mind is is prone to go everywhere. I am prone to get very self-centered. I am prone to say, hey, woe is me. I don't like that I got to do this. Like, okay, all right, I'm going to be real honest with y'all. I'm about to tell y'all my business so this stays on the podcast. (laughs) Housework is probably one of the areas where I get the most frustrated because I feel like I got all these people in here. Now, mind you, it's just me, my husband, and my daughter. But in my mind... (laughs) It wasn't like this when I was single as a Pringle, but I got all these people in here and we got laundry and everybody's living their best life and going in the refrigerator and not putting stuff back in. And then I got to come behind. And I always feel like this ain't the way that it's supposed to be, Lord. And then I have to remind remind myself through scripture because I'm not doing this in and of myself. I don't have the capacity to even come up with a way to fix this or to to smooth it over. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit and what God has written in his word that I am reminded. Even in this, God, you are not like this was not an afterthought. My work as a mother, as a wife, as the keeper of the home is not something that you just stuck me with and was like, okay, just get over it and do it. Like there is purpose and there is glory even in that. And so counseling my heart with with scripture is how I remember that God has not forgotten about me and that God is not just making me do, you know, the grudge work, um, just because like that he, he's called me to, to this for a specific purpose for his glory and also for my sanctification and also for the service that I provide to my family members. Like, I don't even know how God will use that later on for them, you know, for their own edification. And so, yeah, like God's word is where I get what I call the juice to keep on going and to try not to grumble and complain. I'm not going to lie. There are some days that I do grumble and complain. Um, in fact, we're going through a study at, at our church uh, through Philippians, and we've been focusing on joy and contentment, and they could not have come at a more appropriate time because I have just been filled with the complaints. Mm-hmm. But look, 
that's exactly what I said. Look, the word of God is what's like bringing it back, reeling it back in and showing me, okay, there's purpose in my work. There's glory in my work. It's not, God hasn't allowed, none of this is by happenstance. Um, and, you know, I can delight in doing those things that God has called me to do, even if it may not be my cup of tea that day. Exactly. One of the things I always think about for me is how, even in the parable of the talents, you know, that master was going to come back. That master right. was going to return. He was going to find out what y'all do with that, those talents I gave you. And right. I remember, um, even like when I was back in high school, reading mm-hmm. the story of Caleb, um, in the old mm-hmm. Testament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they went to spy out that land, um, a little mm-hmm. group of them went, you know, the story mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Most of them, I think Caleb and Joshua were the only two spies who came back and gave a truthful report um, that it was hard. It's going to be hard. But listen, we can take this. The other guys Mm -hmm. came back and said, there's no way we can do it. Right. And um, there was a verse that always stood out to me. I think it's like, uh, not Romans, um, Numbers Mm -hmm. chapter 14, where um, God is like telling them, listen, y'all aren't going to enter this land. But Mm -hmm. Caleb, who... He said um, he had a different spirit and he followed me fully. And so he's going to get this reward of um, entering the promised land. Right. And I always go back to that. It's just like, okay, well, am I really giving it my all? Am I really Mm -hmm. following him fully? Because there are going to be consequences, just like in the parable of the talent of Mm -hmm. either well done, my good and faithful servant, or I'm going to be missing out on (laughs) something God had for me. Right. And possibly could have served others. And so Mm -hmm. it just takes Mm -hmm. renewing your mind, just like you're talking about over and over and sometimes by the hour. Yes. (laughs) I am still like old school girl. I still like four by six note cards. I got a stack. (laughs) I keep them in my purse, flipping through those things. Yes. (laughs) Well, in the book, you talk, you write about three um, characteristics that good stewards all share. And one mm-hmm. of those is humility. We're just going to touch on one of those. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important? Um, why is humility such an important characteristic for um, thinking about becoming better stewards? Well, I think the, the first thing is humility says that I recognize that this is not my show. That this this is God, like he is at the helm here. And as I've said earlier, we have gotten, we got an invite to come be, to be a part of this. And so when we are um, humble in recognizing that, okay, this, this is not mine. I am not the creator. I, you know, I've been invited into this. Then this, this says, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? As opposed to saying, well, I'm just going to do this my way. Um, if we look at, let's look, use the parable of, uh, the sower and, okay. or the talent, sorry, I'm getting my par- parables mixed up. <laughs> um, let's use the parable of the talent, um, as a, as a reference point here. So we see two men who basically think with the mind of their master. They're like, they know that their master is coming back. They operate in a way that I want to provide something back to my master that is useful, 
Whereas the guy who buried his talent, he just said, I'm just going to do my own thing. He didn't think with the master in mind. He thought with himself in mind. Mm -hmm. He thought, well, if I just give him back what he gave me, then I'm straight. I don't even care what he got to do after this or whatever. He didn't think with the master. He really, his approach was the arrogant approach is because he made the assumption that whatever it is that I do, he's just going to have to be good with what I give him. That's that's really what he said. He's just going to have to be good with what I give him. And that's not, that's not humility. Humility Mm -hmm. says, I don't own this. This ain't mine. I've been graciously invited into this, this process, into this work. So Lord, let me think, let me try to think with the mind of you. How can I be most fruitful with what you've given me? How can I increase, you know, not for my own sake, but for your glory? And so, yeah, that's why I really think that humility is, is essential is because we have to realize like, it's not our show. It's not like, it doesn't start and end with us. There is a master. And I think that without, we can't even truly submit fully. Like many of us will say, Oh Lord, I submit, you know, but you can't submit without humility. You can't submit if you still have it in your heart that you're going to do things your way. You can't serve two masters. And so humility says, I'm going to serve the master in my work by thinking, you know, thinking with him in mind, by Mm -hmm. offering to him more, even more, returning to him more uh, than what he's given me. I love the phrase, it's not my show. I love that. (laughs) I love it because it's right on the money. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. on the nose. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when we think about our um, what the Lord has entrusted to us, Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, we're kind of, I, in my mind, I always lean toward kind of those spiritual gifts or talents mm-hmm. or, you know, intellect, whatever, kind of non-tangible mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. But even in the physical world, I mean, if the Lord has resourced you with um, a large bank account or a mm-hmm. nice, big, beautiful house or, you know, a huge SUV, yeah. SUV and you can haul around a bunch of preteens, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, all of the things that he's given you it's not to point back to you and say, man, look how right. wealthy I am. Look, look how right. good my family's got it. Look at all these right. beautiful trips we can go on. It is really to be in the service of him and others. And yeah, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. stuck on your, how you can yeah. make your name great and make it look like your kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really going to. And then fly. also a lack of humility doesn't, uh, doesn't take into account our our limitations and so weaknesses. True. That's so true. We need the Lord to help us carry out the work that He's called us to. Yes. So, like, we can't even do it without Him. Yes. And so, there could be there there is oftentimes a temptation for us to really like what my mama used to say: "Get too big for your britches." <laughs> we start, you know, feeling ourselves. Oh, I got this. You know, not even realizing that. Yeah. Our ability to carry out our work with excellence is actually like that is sourced through God himself. And so we have to be humble enough to recognize, Lord, I need you to even I feel like I do feel like this is an insurmountable task in front of me. But with you, with your help, by your spirit, I can do and carry out the work that you've called me to. I mean, just what you're saying makes me reminds me of James. 
you know, Mm -hmm. where he says, oh, you know, those of you who boast, well, tomorrow we're going to do this and that. We're going to make a profit and do all this. Mm -hmm. You better Mm -hmm. step back and say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And he will bring the profit if he so chooses. So even if we don't feel desperate, even if we don't feel weak, the fact Mm -hmm. that it is straight fact that we are desperate, Mm -hmm. that we are weak, that we do need him. And um, we might can accomplish some in this life, but is it going to count for eternity? And is it going to be, I mean, with his help, you could produce, you know, multiples more. Right. Um, So it's always, it's always wise Mm -hmm. to lean on the Lord, right? Yes, always. Well, Portia, we got to wrap this up, but um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity. If you, do you have any resources coming out or what should, how can our people connect with you? Just go to, she shall be called. You can go to She Shall Be Called. You can also go to uh, my personal website, PortiaCollins.com. I'm working on a few things, but I just don't know when they'll be out. Uh, Specifically working on um, a Bible study through the book of Galatians. Mm. And so, uh, but there are a ton of uh, free and readily available resources that she shall be called to help women get into their Bibles to really like that is what that's my prayer. That's what I want mm-hmm. is for us to really just um, to soak in scripture and to delight in that and to see how our work is shaped and how it brings glory to God um, all throughout the scriptures. And so if I had to recommend a resource, it's, it's always the Bible, girl. <laughs> I love get, it. And listen, if you're reading the Bible and you can't understand, get you one in a translation where you can understand it, okay? Yeah. And just ruminate on on the scriptures. Um, and yeah, because anything I offer you is always going to be secondary to what God has offered. So yeah, get in the Word. I hear you. So is that? would you say that's your main piece of advice for women? Get that in the is Word? My, that's yes, it, right get there. In the word, get in the word. That's the period. That's yeah, it, right and, there. And, you know, I don't, I don't take anything away from, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I don't take anything away from that. But sometimes I think we can get so caught up on the side dishes that we miss the main dish. You're right. And so there is no, there is no substitute for just quality time spent in God's word. And so that's always my number one encouragement. There's nothing like it. I mean, that's his, that's from him with the power of the spirit. That is a really our source of yeah. life. And so that's our bread and butter girl. That is our bread and butter. And, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been so great. I can't wait for our listeners to um, grab a hold of the copy, uh, their copy of the women work book, read chapter six. Um, don't waste your gifts. And Portia, this has been so much fun. I love chatting with you and, Love your heart for the Lord and all you're doing uh, for Him. And so thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Pre-order your copy of our book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work at the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time tax-deductible donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that as well so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.